When he turned his back from shoulder to shoulder, it looked like as wide as the tailgate of a truck. And this darkness, literal darkness, just came like all over, just, just all over me except where I was standing. This thing let out the most blood-curdling, mind-blowing, spine-tingling scream that you've ever heard in your life, and it cut through me like a knife. And I knew that they were going to take me. I just knew it. And then the next thing I can remember is being levitated. Well, when I look in there, uh, I see two big eyes staring back at me. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Bump Podcast, a place for the believers of the unexplained, monsters, and paranormal. Join us, and we'll go face-to-face with what goes bump in the night. there believers i got another good show for you today this week i'm bringing on chris home he is the host of the conspire a theory podcast and he's got some personal experiences um he's got all kinds of stuff to talk about so we're, we're going to dig right into it i'm not going to waste a whole lot of time beforehand i just want to let you know that um as of now i still have everything going on the website um past episodes um, I might be like a week or two behind on those, but I, you can go there for past episodes. You can go there for um, members only content. You can go there to reach me in case you've had an encounter or an experience that you'd like to share. Uh, I'm trying to make it like a one-stop shop. And speaking of shop, I'm going to try to bring back some kind of merch, some kind of store um, as soon as possible. I want to have it up and running before the holidays. And what you know is like as soon as I close the store, within a week, I'm getting messages. Hey, what happened to your store? What happened to your store? Uh, I didn't realize that people were even buying stuff, <laughs> to be honest, you know. Um, and if you had an order that went out, I know I'm talking to one guy. He had he had placed an order a few months ago, but it, it's either it didn't process or it got lost in the mail. It's the only one I know of that happened that it happened to but i'm i'm trying to figure that out but uh yeah right now everything's on there i'm having some issues with the the members only um pricing because i got it set so low that once the website takes their fee which is a pretty reasonable fee but it's still like 30 percent of the the total asking price so I, that's not a good, that's not a, a good fee. You know, Patreon was taken like 10% and I thought that was a little high. Maybe it was 11%, something like that. But I switched over thinking that it's all, you know, going to be inside my, my control now. It's going to be underneath my, my website and all this. But just the processing fees, they, pro, they, they charge a certain amount, which is, reasonably low it's only like 30 percent or no 30 cents plus six percent or something like that but where i'm only charging a dollar 75 a week it's taking about 30 percent of that you know i wound up getting like a dollar 25 of it 
So that's incredibly low. It's uh, it wouldn't be bad if it was a monthly charge. So I may have to switch from a dollar seventy five a week to the typical seven dollar a month fee. That's what all podcasts seem to be charging. So uh, watch for that. I might have to do that. Uh, I'm sorry if that's the case, but I'm just trying to let you know. October, it might just go to a flat $7 a month, okay? Or November or December, whenever this episode even airs. Um, it may have to go to $7 a month instead of $1.75 a week, just so they're not taking half the money. It's just common sense. All right. Um, I'm going to send this link out to Chris, get him on here with me. I just got in the door from work, so I'm still on school mode. Um, I'm trying to shut that brain off and turn on uh, podcast mode. Hey, Bo, how's it going today? Doing good, Chris. How you doing, buddy? It's good to finally see you, finally get to meet you, because we've been ping-ponging email on you know, the sort of how to get this show going for quite a while now. Yeah. And I, I think I had to cancel on you once before and I apologize for that. Uh, no problem. I, I know how it goes. So long as we get it done. That's it. That's all that matters to me. But I first came across your show through the, the tinfoil hat and I, and I was so impressed. I said, this, this guy sounds cool. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to listen to his show. I appreciate and, it. And then I listened to a couple episodes and then I listened to a couple more and then now I'm like a regular listener. So I, I really do appreciate, you know, you putting your show together because I know that times are tough right now. And, and I, I definitely want to know that, that you, you are appreciated. Thank yeah. you for real. I, that's, that's nice of you, man. Yeah. I appreciate it. You have a, you have a podcast too, right? Conspire, conspire a theory. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I found having a podcast is, the best way to trick interesting people into having conversations with you. <laughs> yeah, you want to talk to someone interesting, you, you, you have yourself a podcast and, yeah. and that'll increase your chances of having a good conversation with people like 100%. Yeah. That, it does seem to work. <laughs> yeah. That, when I, I first started the podcast about a couple of years ago and I I've been sort of bouncing this idea around because I would go to these uh, conventions and stuff that would spring up around town. You know, they'd be like, you know, small, like, um, like, like comic book conventions, anime conventions, all that stuff. I used to volunteer at an anime convention and you run into the most interesting people. Yes, you did. And I would run into a man named Ken Gerhard. Yeah. Yeah. And he was pretty much, you know, me and him were practically neighbors because we're both in San Antonio. So I'd run into him quite a bit. And I would just, you know, go by his desk and, you know, and he would have his book set up. And I, every single time I met him, I'd, I'd run into, I'd buy a book and then we'd like talk for about 45 minutes or so. And, and it just became a regular thing until I ran out of books to buy from him. <laughs> <laughs> I figured, you know, cause, cause he's such a good guy. He gave me, you know, uh, a amount of his time and, you know, and I was trying to be respectful, not get in the way of, of a sale or anything. Right. And I realized that, you know, us sitting here and talking, it's like, man, I wish, I wish other people could, you know, because we talk about the most interesting things. I wish I could, you know, get this down and, and share it with people because, 
you know, because I'd, I'd sure like to see a show of people talking, like, you know, having these kinds of, you know, out, out there conversations. So then I got the idea, oh, I'll just make a podcast because I had been, you know, working with like um, one of my friends, he had a podcast where we, we would talk video game news and then I would come in and he sort of, you know, brought me in as sort of the color commentary, you know, someone just a, his hatchet man, so to speak. All right. To just come in and be the heel for for his show so then i of course you know help with a little bit of help from the friends in the community set up my own show and then i started reaching out to you know what my interests are which are more you know paranormal and stuff like that i really dug in deep because there was this one time where there was this one show that happened in san antonio and it was you know my friend he would we would review we had a podcast review where we would review conventions it's called contact with ed Solis. Nice. and we would just review you know conventions and stuff like this and this was you know way before you know uh pandemic so you know everything was bustling everything was growing in texas i believe we had a we had a, i mean texas is huge right so there's a convention happening everywhere i think it reached to the point where there was like a convention for every single weekend you like and it reached to the point where there was almost two conventions every single week. You can find a convention somewhere in the city, somewhere in the state. So they were happening all over the places and we would go to them, we'd have fun and we'd, you know, do our review. And then there was this one that was a little bit off the cuff for him. And he said, well, you know, some of my family, you know, they're on staff with this other convention, but it's a paranormal thing. And I, and I know that's kind of like your thing, isn't it, Chris? And I'm like, yeah, let's, let's check it out. Let's go. And it was like tickets for this. This was one of those where, you know, it was a more smaller, more specialized convention and tickets would have been like a hundred bucks for like a regular person. So it was really up there, but yeah. you know, luckily with his connections, which we had no problem abusing, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 uh, we, we got in as press to cover the convention. And of course, you know, after that, I was in love, I was in love with, you know, meeting and talking to, to these, these, you know, to folks who are just also into the paranormal, just as much as I am, maybe more so, because they're the ones that are making books, they're producing content, they're, they're pretty much, you know, not just part of the community, but they're like, you know, producing the community, you know, engaging in that community. Yeah. And then that sort of solidified me, you know, as far as, you know, oh, I got to get this on record, I got to it got that bug started where I got to get up. I got to get a podcast. I can't, I just can't keep the stuff to myself. You can't keep all this stuff inside. So then that led to, you know, my forming and, and making my own podcast, starting everything on my own, learning to do everything on my own type of thing, because yeah, I had my friends that could do it, but you know, we all had our lives and stuff. And I always, you know, even though I was willing to pay them, you know, they, they weren't willing to produce my podcast for me. You know, yeah. I had to learn to be more than just a pretty face and just to be talent and just to be the hatchet man and the heel. So I, I picked it up really quickly and I learned how to produce. I learned how to mess with mics and stuff like this. I learned, you know, like, like how to operate equipment, how to, you know, all this fancy equipment and stuff like this and click that and mess with all these programs and that and the other how to do sound editing and all that stuff like that. And I, you know, and, and I, I just love it, you know, I mean, I've had a few fumbles here and there, but it's, it's been great for me. And, 
I just kept it going, you know, and, and I think I first, I started it, I think uh, a couple months after the passing of my mother, hmm. when she had passed, because, you know, I, I had this idea, you know, cause she was uh, sick with cancer for quite some time. And, and I was like, you know, like, oh man, you know, I, I figured I'd have the story where I just get all the, all the spooky stories from her before she passed. And then I could go into the, the, the whole podcasting thing, you know, full forth, you, you know, you know, cause then I wouldn't have to worry about her anymore. Right. And, you know, cause, cause the thing is, I mean, the podcasting stuff and any kind of internet community, it gets ugly, you know, it does. Yeah. And, and, you know, and if my mom's in a better place than that means no one can, no one can hurt her. So, so if, if anyone's offended by anything that I say, you know, people get crazy on here. Right. You know, they'll, they'll come after family, yeah. you know, they, they don't care, you know, just, just, it's just to get under your skin. They'll do anything. That's it. So when I, when that was, you know, but instead, you know, when I'm sitting there with her, you know, it's, 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 I'm just, I'm just spending time with her, you know, so it's like, so that whole getting the family spooky stories didn't happen, but I did get to, you know, spend some final, what I feel most people in the paranormal don't get is they get that final that time to say goodbye that time to with someone special where you know they get to be there in their final moments and you know i always treasure those moments you know because there would be times where we would just sit i just sit with my mother and and we'd watch television and, I, and i'd be like you know going through the netflix stuff and i say hey mom you want to watch the uh, enrique iglesias you know, Fluffy, he's funny. And she's like, no, I, he's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'd watch, <laughs> and then we'd watch some, you know, God awful uh, Netflix comedy. <laughs> uh, and, and, and who knows, but it's just that, you know, that, that spending that time together and stuff like that, you know, that getting to say goodbye. And what I feel with like a lot of people in this community, sometimes they don't have that. So when they, like, like go out ghost hunting or something. They're, they're looking for that final confirmation to know, you know, is my, you know, is my loved one, are they okay? Are they safe? You know, they probably didn't get to say goodbye. They probably didn't get, you know, that, that resolution. Yeah. And, you know, my mother, she had passed the day after mother's day, Oh man. which was particularly hard. And I remember the day before that night, before I stayed up all night, because, you know, I mean, I have a bit of an artistic flair in me, which I got from her. And I would make Mother's Day cards for her every year. I just make a little Mother's Day card. I, I draw it out. I color it with markers and stuff like that. You know, I draw like a, a picture in the front and stuff like that. Right. And then I put money in. And of course, the better I'm doing financially, the more money I put in. So she loved that. <laughs> so and this one, you know, because it was special. And I, as I was doing it, I had tears running down my face because I knew something new that this would be the last one. You know, that I, I'd never make another Mother's Day card ever again after this one. And even though I was crying the entire time, you know, I, I did everything I, I could to, you know, I did like a, like a little picture, like a little drawing of a family of foxes, of little white foxes, you know, a, a, a mother, a father and siblings to represent my family. And then, you know, then I gave it to, you know, my mother and she was in and out of a morphine haze 
because, you know, she was in her final days and, you know, she, she loved it, of course. And, yeah. and it's just, there's a certain light in someone's eyes when she looks at me and you just feel seen and, and I'm sitting there and, you know, I just for those few seconds where you just feel like, uh, you know, she sees me and then they go back into that haze again, back into that fog. And it's just the most treasured moment that you ever, you can ever have. And it, it's, you know, it, it's, it's powerful. So I can understand, you know, why some of us want to know if there's something after, right. You know, I completely get that, you know, is there something beyond because, you know, the, the times that we all have together, you know, a lot of us, we take it for granted and I get it. You know, we all have to live. We all have to pay our bills. We all have to, you know, we all have to live in the real world and all that stuff. So, but, you know, when you get those few treasured moments, they mean something. And so I, I you know, and then the day after, I think I spent all night, I, I just couldn't sleep. I spent all night just playing uh, Fallout 4, you know, on my PC. I, I modded it out. So I was just playing, you know, video games with obnoxious, you know, mods and stuff of that nature. And then one day I hear my, you know, one of my siblings knock on my door and it's like, okay, I know what this is about. Right. And then we, of course, go through the process and, and then, you know, it was tough on everybody, but, you know, I had the chance to say goodbye. I had the chance for, for my mother to say, you know, that she loved me and all that stuff. And, and so I got what most people probably yearn for the most, which is closure. That's it. And that closure means so much. Of course, later on, you know, in dreams, you know, I'd feel the presence of my mom, you know, again, I think there was the, one of the most memorable times was where uh, I think uh, I was having a dream where I was in a, I was at a party, I was at a frat party or something like that. Now, what I would be doing at a, at a frat party, drinking and stuff like that, I, I don't know, but that, that's what the dream dictated, is that I'd be at that part. So I'm sitting there, I'm in a toga, I'm talking to people in, in, in toga outfits, and there's partying going on. And then in the background of this party, like if you're watching a screen, you, you see the, the background, characters in the background is, is my mother. And there's like a little kiddie pool, and she's in a lawn chair, and she's pouring margarita mix into the kiddie pool. <laughs> I guess that's some sort of like party thing. So, so it's sort of like, and I felt that presence there and, and it was just so reassuring <laughs> that even in my, even in my, you know, drunken stupor dreams, you know, she's still out there, you know, doing it, you know, just getting along and stuff like this. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I think the most recent one that I had was with her presence was, um, I was at, again, I was in this hotel and the hotel was busy, 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 like, like a, like another, like a convention going on. I don't know if what, it didn't matter. It was just busy. And, and I felt the rush. So I knew that stuff, stuff was going on. And then, you know, there's a, you know, art vendors and artisans and this arts and craft table. And then I noticed, you know, again, sitting at the, at the, at the table is, you know, uh, my mother. So then of course, you know, I, I say hello. And then I just wrap my arms around her. <laughs> And, and I just hold on to her. And I don't know what happened, but this is where when people say they experience, you know, time deliation or something of that nature. But I, I swear I must have hold on to her for like 15 minutes to five hours. Yeah. And in dream time, whatever that was, it felt like an eternity. 
but it wasn't enough, you know, because I just, this mix of emotion came over me and I just started crying in the dream. And I was just holding up, hanging on to her, you know, just so grateful for that moment. Yeah, and then, yeah, and, and it's just, you know, and of course, you know, my mom is there and she's just patting me on my head and just, you know, continuing with whatever artisans that she's doing at the table and stuff like that, <laughs> business as usual. <laughs> but, you know, I, I have my moment, you know, I, I get what I need type of thing. Yeah. You know, and, and it's that sort of thing. And I wake up and, you know, you feel that you still feel the, the, the weight of all those emotions being processed. And I'm just nothing but grateful, just so grateful for that. Yeah. You know, that, well, one, I, I appreciate you sharing me, sharing with me everything that went on with your mom. And I, I love your perspective on everything. You know, it, it's really easy because I lost somebody, my grandmother, who was like a mom, you know, mm. and she was right there. Um, I know how hard it is. And I kind of took a different path than you did. Mm-hmm. You, you got to have that closure and stuff and I, I spiraled out of control into a, a dark ugly depression <laughs> for for a long time and so it's I, I found it comforting that you had that you know some solace and but yeah. when, when your mom visits you in those dreams uh, is that how you take it like it's an actual visitation like it's and she's checking in with you or do you look at it as less of a paranormal thing and more like just a, a, a random, you know? I, I've, I've come to an understanding in, the, in my dealings with the paranormal that there are two possibilities. Mm-hmm. One, that all this is really happening, that there are aliens and dogmens out there and what have you and Bigfooters and, you know, all of this nature and, or, it's some sort of coping mechanism and it's all happening in our head and we're just making it up. Either one is fascinating and should be explored, but you know, I'm not going to be disappointed if it's one or the other, if it's all something that's, if, if, if those are just coping mechanisms, I completely understand that. And, and if it's just a, a, like a mental note, like some sort of mental thing that's just happening within our facilities so that we could better process our grief. You know, I'm, I'm fine with that. It, right. it doesn't affect me because it's the experience. I've had the experience. Right. And when I talk to the, some of these people, when I, you know, whether I'm doing uh, artistic recreation of their accounts or I'm, I'm talking to investigators and they tell me about this case, you know, it's the experience that I want to dig into and all that stuff. You know, I mean... Sure, we'll, we'll ask, you know, is it, is it true? Did it really happen? Yeah, we, we're still figuring that out as far as how to, how to properly measure and gain, you know, what we can gain from those experiences. I get that from a scientifical method. But, you know, as far as the experience itself, you know, I'm still at the part where, you know, I want to hear it. I want to you know, poke at it and prod at it and figure it out. I'm still in the let's figure it out type of thing. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So, and, and you're right. Either way it goes, it's an experience, right? Yeah. And, you know, I, I of course, lean 
more toward the yeah this is really happening everything's real <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. but I mean, you're you're yeah. right uh either way um uh, you know it's our reality uh, mm-hmm. or it's their reality whoever is the experiencer it is their reality but i i do like to look at it and i don't know how it works um as as being visited you know if if i have a dream with my grandmother i would like to i like to consider that a visitation and not just some random uh, image firing into my brain while I'm sleeping. Yeah. Just the synapses doing their thing. Right. Right. And if that's what it is, prove it. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Well, I mean, I I would understand the argument, right? I would understand that I would have no problem with it if it was one thing or the other. Yeah. But you know, I I still have the experience. I still got something out of it. That's it. It means it broke me. I still got the ride, you know, I still got the ride. That's it. That's it. And, you know, you were talking about doing artist renderings, mm-hmm. uh, recreations and stuff. And you actually sent me some in our, in some of our email exchanges that are, it was fantastic. No, thank you. Um, I absolutely loved it. And I would probably like to share it if you don't mind. Yeah, uh, you're welcome to, you need anything more, I'll be happy to hook you up. Okay. I, I appreciate it. I, Cause you know, I like to share stuff at least with, you know, the members section of the show, you know, of some of the background information or, you know, the, the extra stuff that comes in. Cause I, I get photos and stuff all the time of, mm-hmm. of, you know, of whatever. Yeah. And sometimes I like to share it and I would love to share some of your work. Um, That's no problem. Uh, would you want to go into that? How, how you do that? The process of like, if anybody wanted to come to you for yeah sure mission or whatever i got i I believe the first image i sent to you was of an investigator sketch Mm -hmm. that i had touched up which was of a green man in in the corner of a room yes now here's what the investigator had told me is that his mother had come to him with a with an account of where she was walking. She, she was late at night. She was walking through her house, you know, and, and in the corner of the hallway, she had turned and she'd seen a little green man. Like, uh, he looked somewhat like a gray, like, uh, like we see of the typical gray alien. And he was propped up in the corner, in the upper corner, like sprawled out like Spider-Man is how she could best describe it. And, and he was surrounded by sparkles. Hmm. And uh, I can best describe these sparkles. Like if, if, if you're into sports and you've ever been, you know, you have ever hit the ground too hard or, or you've ever been, you know, smacked really hard. You know, when you see stars, those sort of like silver leaflets that are like flying around your eyes, that kind of stuff is, is what I imagined she was probably seeing. And I took his, his sketch, he had done an initial sketch. And then I applied, you know, my, you know, four years of college training and stuff, which I never got the degree for, but at least I got the training and, and, you know, 20, 30, 30 plus years of, of experience, you know, drawing art and comics and stuff like that. And I said, okay, let me try to flesh this out for him and get this done right. You know, get this done as, as best as I can to best 
you know, represent the, the experience, you know, yeah. to the best of my ability, you know, cause, cause, you know, and then I, I listened to her account, they had gotten it on tape and I, you know, drew it out because the way, what she had, what the conclusion was is that she had seen the man and then she jumped, you know, you jumped out because when you see something that shouldn't be there, you're going to have a reaction. And her reaction was like a sudden jump. It was like a, like when you see a jump scare. Mm -hmm. And when she had jumped, the man had blinked out. He had just blinked out of, uh, out of, out of reality, out of whatever sleeve of reality that, that, that he had slipped into. And, and, you know, and, and that was pretty much it, you know, so I did, I did as best as I could to illustrate, you know, like the, the presence of, of the, I drew like a, a gray sort of type of creature. And then I, I did it sprawled up in the corner, you know, again, like Spider-Man just hanging out there with uh, a couple of, of his hands up in the walls and his feet up in the, up in the, up, up on, along the, the walls in that nature. And I, I did as best as I could to represent you know, what it, what a typical gray would look like in that situation. Yeah. And it, you did a great job. It was like chilling to, to think about it. Cause anytime I look at something like that, I try to put myself in the position of the experiencer. And I thought, my goodness, if I looked up and saw something like that up in the corner of my room, yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't know. I mean, there, there are tons of artists out there and, you know, I mean, I'm not, I know I'm not going to like leave as much of a mark as them because they're more experienced, more, you know, uh, upper, upper tier type of stuff than myself, you know, and I'm not trying to get in competition with anybody too much. You know, I, I know I'm not going to, you know, blaze any trails here, but the thing is, I'm just as curious as everyone else about the, the experience and stuff of that nature. That's right. But what, when I do get the opportunity when someone brings an opportunity for me to to um, to sort of recreate their account i do the best that i can to um to get as much details as i can of the experience so that i can come up with like the best angle and means of of presenting it because as far as I know, I don't think I'll ever run into a gray. I don't think I'll ever run into a, a, a dog man. I don't, I don't know if I'll ever run into Bigfoot. I don't know if I'll ever hit, you know, stub the toe of a Nephilim. I don't know any of that. But as far as the closest that I, right now, what I can do to get to the experience is to recreate it because I'm, in a, in a means, I'm stepping into their shoes. I'm doing as best as I can to step into the experience yes. and bring it to life. Yes. So when they, when they, they bring these to me, you know, I, I, I go for as many details as I can. I, you know, I ask like, well, what were they feeling? I try to convey as much emotion as I can from the experience, you know, because every single little detail, you know, it, cause I, I, like like yourself i'm just insanely curious about this stuff all right and like i said you know that's the that for now that's the best way i could step into the experience because you know you know how they say that you know if you're skeptical you're not going to get this kind of thing happening to you right 
Well, you know, I mean, I am a bit skeptical and critical on my myself as well. But stuff just like this just doesn't happen to me all that much. You know, which is why when it does on the rare occasion, I'm like, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let, let, let's enjoy this type of thing. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you also said on the on the topic of these aliens, these grays, um, you're into the whole abduction phenomenon, right? Oh, yeah, it's I'm I'm very curious about it. It's definitely one of my favorite topics to talk about, whether it's the breeding program, the the you know the the relationship you know the covert cloak and dagger with the government mm -hmm. um all that type of stuff you know people talk about disclosure and i and i just i roll my eyes about it because it's like ah, i don't care give me give me a body give me a craft you know <laughs> yeah yeah so where are you at on all this uh i, I it's such a broad topic when you get into for lack of a better word aliens when you get into the topic, I know, you know, you, your, your knowledge on this is probably way more expansive than mine, but how broad of a topic is that? You know what I mean? It's like, there's so many rabbit holes and so many different avenues you can go down on this topic. Yeah, uh, so I'm going to ask you a really vague, impossible to answer question. And it'll probably be what, what do you think aliens are, <laughs> you know, like what what is it we're dealing with, man? Uh, I've heard my favorite uh, possibility is the co-creation theory, that there is a something out there that interacts with us. And I do believe that our culture sort of acts as a sort of uh, prop department for the phenomenon. Okay. And, um, and it's going to show up as something and a lot of people use that to liken the the alien abduction phenomenon to the fairy folk uh, accounts and I, I consider that very interesting and i do feel like it's a valid argument and, so and i do understand that I, I i'm open to the possibility that they could be related that the that the fairy folk is just like another form of window dressing that accounts for this, this something else that is going on. And as far as the, the, I know a lot of people like the, you know, there, there's a certain camps mm -hmm. like the nuts and bolts, the ETH, the extraterrestrial, you know, if they're extraterrestrials and they have to come from out there as in space wise. And, you know, on that one, you know, I'm a bit taken back now because I don't know, because you know, I mean, people are talking in the media, we're seeing more about multidimensional type of stuff. And in our fiction, I regard the whole multiverse stuff as just, a, it's just a crutch for bad writing. Right. You know, like, because we've seen all the Kate movies where like all this stuff, it's like, oh, I've written myself into a hole. How do I correct it? Uh, multiverse. Yep. And then I can just rewrite history. Yeah. But, and I do feel like that that is creating some cultural pollution in our paranormal now as far as multiverse goes in our stuff like could there be other dimensions out there yeah i i understand that could be a thing because 
we've seen, I think on one of your prior episodes, you talked about uh, the nuclear silos and stuff like that, that UFOs would visit them and mess with them. And then when we had all the nuclear testing, we would also see spikes in, vis in visitations and, and, and uh, people seeing UFOs and all that stuff. Right. And, you know, there could be something to, you know, whenever, whenever it comes to nuclear energy, splitting the atom and all that stuff like that, that maybe that is causing a rippling effect within the dimensions that, that whatever else, whatever other is out there encounters. And then it comes back to, to, you know, I guess sort of, you know, do an investigation to see what's going on. As far as, you know, the whole, you know, why are they coming here? Why us type of thing? In the contactee literature, in the contactee lore, there was a steady escalation. I mean, for most of the counts, you know, depending on how far back you go, you know, it, it seems like, I don't know if, I don't know if they came out the gate, you know, just putting us in, in jars right away. But what I think mostly happened was, you know, we witnessed an escalation where before we would see, you know, we would see like little men or, or little men, you know, off in the distance, they'd get out of their UFO, they collect soil samples and what have you, and then get up and leave. And then, you know, they started appearing outside our windows, you know, outside our doors and coming in to get us next, to sample us next. And now it's escalated to a point where they're just appearing at our bedsides doing, you know, whatever it is that they want and, you know, having their way. And, you know, for all we know, this could have been happening because there's been counts in the 1800s where people would see, you know, how, as they best could describe UFOs, the, the airships of old. Yeah. And they would have, you know, little, again, short men in uniforms coming down, you know, awkwardly reacting with the men at the time who at the most point were you know usually heavily drinking or something of that nature <laughs> but as far as that you know it, it does seem to be like a cycling escalation that i've witnessed in our own lore that you know the grays the the aliens are not crawling through our windows anymore and I'm pretty sure that, that they're ecstatic at that because, you know, it's like, oh, good. I don't have to, because, you know, some of these windows are like eight feet off the ground. So that means when he crawls in, he's standing on the shoulders of like five or six of his buddies outside. <laughs> so they don't have to do that anymore. It's like, oh, good. We could just melt through the wall. I don't have to claw. I don't have to climb through the window anymore. But it's, it's just, and I don't know what to make of it. I'm still gathering data. Yeah. I'm still figuring stuff out. I'm not so much an investigator or a researcher myself. I'm just, you know, more of like a podcast. I talk to people. Yeah. I, uh, I'll, you know, watch accounts and stuff of that nature. I'll, I'll listen to stories. Yeah. But when, from what I can gather of, of all these people, it, I just don't know what to make of it because if we look at, because the, the old stories would tell us that they came here for our gold. Mm -hmm. the Anunnaki narrative of, the, of that nature. Right. And we know we've, we've, we know that, that there are resources out there where you can find gold and stuff on other planets and other meteors and stuff like that. That is way more plentiful 
than what you'll find here. Right. Same thing for water, same thing for, for, you know, clean air and all of that stuff. You can, you can find that elsewhere. You don't need to come here for that. But the only thing that I can think of that that's here, that's, that's different and unique and interesting. It's probably us for that matter. You know, yeah. we're the resources. We're what's being farmed of that nature. Yeah. We are the curiosity. Yes, we are. And I you know, agree with that. I mean, and, and everything is just so strange out there because, I mean, you've had like a, like a cat in, in your arms and you pet him and then you turn your hand into a claw and, and attack him. And then he just has the fight of his life. And then you, 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 you make your, your hand not a claw anymore. And he looks around, you know, like, I mean, as far as you know, you were playing with your cat. Right. As far as what your cat knows, he was just sitting there chilling. And then a monster came and attacked him and he fought him off with everything he had. He had the fight of his life. <laughs> and then the monster disappeared. Right. You know, it, it's the same experience. So that's what I think is happening with us. We're the cat. <laughs> and whatever's holding us is, is the, the, the phenomena. And every now and then it likes to mess with us. And as far as we know, we just had this heroin experience. Right. That's sort of how I think. And, you know, and I th do think that sort of happens with what I hear of the kid in black phenomena, or the, the, the black eyed kids. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Because that sends chills, you know, and I'm thinking the same thing that even though we're seeing, uh, you know, as far as what we can tell is little children, there's probably off in the background some some other creature, some extension of it, which is the phenomenon itself, you know, just peeking over the corner, you know, watching us interact, you know, just sort of messing with us, you know, testing us, giving us the fight of our life yeah. as far as we can experience. That, that's, you know. that's a good way to look at it too. You know, yeah. these, these lights that we see in the sky, that's really just a laser pointer and yeah. <laughs> somebody is exactly, you know, similar. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the, like the anchor fish. Yeah, you know, it has the large bright bulb yeah, in front of its head, the <laughs> and then we just we just were drawn to it because you know we're so curious, and then when we get close enough, you know, it gobbles us up. Yeah, I like so it. I, that, that's kind of like how I see that sort of uh, experience coming about, and you know, I mean, I, the the black eyed kid stuff, I, I got to dig more into that, you know, about as much as I can because some people try to relate them to. Uh, the grays and I guess that's just because of superficiality because of the eyes and I don't believe it's the same thing it just something about it just doesn't sit right with me right it sounds more uh supernatural than than you know uh, like what we see with aliens and stuff. it's something it feels like a different category yes perfect word it's yeah it feels category. feels more like a like a spiritual type of interaction rather than uh than a um, you know a, a, an abduction account like as far as dealing with an entity an outworldly entity right and you know even at that level that's why I said the topic is so broad um, I used to I, I've had several evolutions of thought you know uh, as to aliens because that that was my jam man when I was young I I was all about aliens so i've had theories you know mm -hmm. and the more i hear and the more i learn and the more i talk to people and other podcasts that i listen to and books that i take in and read it 
it's just like one one theory leads into something else to something else and at this point like i feel like i'm understanding more but even what i'm understanding has just recently scattered out into like a dozen other possibilities mm-hmm. you know so i i'm asking you know I'll, I'll ask you what you think aliens are because i'm 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 trying to glean more information you know I, there's yeah. more that i want to learn and well, I'm off the you know on the wrong trail is it something else you know well the the only accounts that we have is isn't what is what the experiencers are told mm-hmm. they haven't told us anything like uh, like you and me they haven't come up on the on the television screen or whatever and said we're the aliens this is the the, the straight poop no instead everything we get hit is secondhand from the experiencer and until you're an experiencer yourself i don't know if you are i'm sure you've had some heroin experiences yourself as well as i have that you know we could just go by what we're told by the phenomenon when we encounter it in whatever form it is right the the thing that i find interesting is the more we learn the more the phenomenon escalates it's it changes its backstory yeah it's like a little D character sheet and, and it's like ah they don't believe in that anymore let me scratch that out right okay we're not from atlantis anymore we're from lemuria now right oh wait hang on let me erase that we're not from lemuria anymore we're from tataria right and it's it's because i i have noticed that escalation whereas before we had valiant thor and he was from venus Right. And yeah. then yeah. everyone was from Mars. And now everyone is from Alpha Centauri. Everyone is the Pleiadians from whatever the, the Cirrus, the dog star that they came from. Right. And that, that's and quickly it, becoming now, like you said, the multiverse, the, yeah, uh, yeah. the, the, it's another dimension. That way, that's such a, that can be such a lazy excuse. Yeah, what, what I like what I was saying in our entertainment, it's to cover up bad writing. Yes, it's, yes. it's a, like all of a sudden I have this mystery box magic cure all to cover up all my all my bad writing prior. Yep. And and it does come off like bad fiction. Yep. Um, but you know, but if if that's sort of you know that that's our latest hurdle right now is multidimensional, uh, universal type of stuff like that. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know what the next iteration is going to be, but the, the, the multi-dimensional type of stuff, I'm okay with it to a point up until we start talking time travel. Cause then, you know, that, that's a whole, you know, basket of cats there. It is because, because yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> because of the whole infinite possibilities. Yeah. Well, I don't know if people understand what infinite means. Because, you know, you've heard of the, the butterfly effect, right? You know, like if something flaps its wings, you know, a hurricane here, and if it doesn't flap its wings, a monsoon somewhere else. Yeah. Well, we have to take into account that there are millions of butterflies that are flapping and not flapping. There are millions of people that are taking that are walking down the right-hand side rather than the left-hand side of the hallway. And every single one is going to cause a, um, 
you know, a million possibilities. So that's where the term infinite comes in to cover it. Right. That there are infinite possibilities. So even if we were to, you know, cross into another dimension, it's probably going to look exactly like our dimension because we're not going to know exactly what the variant it was that created it. Right. And there are so many different variant uh, possibilities and all that. And it just, it just becomes a headache when people try to manage it. Yep. Yep. You're right. And, yeah. and plus there's the whole, you know, when you touched on time travel, uh, if time travel is ever going to be possible, then it's possible right now. Right. If, yeah. it's, if it's ever possible, then they could, then that means that they're traveling through time right now. Yeah, then, then if time travel is true and possible, then that would have to mean that you and me are living the best possible outcome. Yes. Because then whatever baby dictator was already killed, whatever catastrophe was already stopped, yep. whatever, you know, someone who came back to, to shoot his grandfather, he, he, he probably was already stopped type of thing of that and, and another and it's just that this that, that that would mean then that this is the best possible outcome which is you know and you know what does that say about history that you know i mean stuff had to happen you know and and i've heard people make the hypothetical uh, speculation of you know if you could take out you know uh, a certain influential dictator in the 1940s or when they were a baby, would you? Right. And the thing is, you know, when are you a savior and when are you just another murderer? Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, but what, what does that say about, you know, that, that someone is willing to kill an infant, you know, rather than instead, you know, give that person like some, some more, a better pep talk when during their most influential time and say, Hey, you know what? Politics probably isn't for you. Stay in art school. Yeah, really. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Buy some of his paintings or something. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. Or, or at least you know, you know, stick with stick with art. Right. Stick with art. You know, because influencing people. Yeah, you could be good at it, but stick with art. You know. Yeah. You know, and and that probably could have. You know, I mean, but the thing is, is that I do feel like history and stuff, even the ugly stuff, even the pain, is necessary because. How else are we going to know what that ultimate evil is unless we experience it? That's right. Unless we've seen an example of it. That's right. I mean, look at what's happening now, you know, sort of uh, not to get too into the woods, but with the whole cancel culture, stuff like this, of that nature, yes. and ugly internet, you know, just egregious behavior of, of people who are willing to, they'll go to any end to, to try to destroy someone's life for no other reason than there's a mild insignificant disagreement which has no bearing on their lives whatsoever but people are willing to go that distance because they don't understand empathy they don't have an appreciation of history they don't understand what pain and suffering really is and that they're willing to you know go as far as they can to to you know quote unquote deperson people to deplatform people mm -hmm. because you know oh i don't like what they said about x completely uh, forgetting that that you know we you know you don't have to sit in on that conversation 
you're not the audience. It's not for you. You can you can go someplace else, but that's not enough. Right. I have to take it away from everyone type of thing. And right. and you know, and and I do feel like it's you know, in in some part, you know, we're to blame as a society in that we fostered those people. Mm -hmm. We fostered that generation. Right. Yeah. We've we've allowed it to go, and we we pandered to it until now. Yeah. We're stuck dealing with it. Like. Yeah. Nobody drew a line in the sand. And yeah, so now, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, we talk about the, the, what is it? Let me think here. You know how there's the, the romanticized Wolf of Wall Street movie with, you know, the, the, was it the, the Wall Street guys, the, the, the color of money, all these romanticized Wall Street tales of, you know, these guys coming from nothing and then growing into prominence. But, you know, where's all the, where's all the romanticized stories of the rise of Silicon Valley? Maybe one or two movies, and it's not even all that romanticized. It's pretty much just these geeky, nerdy guys, you know, you know coming into prominence uh, of, with, a, with a social media app. Right. And then, and then, you know, now they have the world at their, at their fingertips and stuff like this. And, and they really can't do anything. You know, no one admires them. No one looks up to them. They're not aspirational figures, you know, but they have this ultimate control over stuff. You know, I mean, when we actually peel back the veil and look at the people who are adamant about taking everything away from us, we see that, that no matter what, they're going to be miserable, no matter what they're, not, they're they don't understand happiness. And, and, and it's, it, it's, it's really sad, but, you know, it's something that I think in time we're all going to have to deal with, you know, in one means or another. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it, it won't stop. That's the thing. If, if one person's ruined and you could ruin the lives of thousands of people by canceling one person, you know, you know, however long or wide their, their reach is their platform is or their business or whatever. Uh, once that's done, you have to go get satiated somewhere else, you know, so that the culture just moves to something else. There's a new target. Yeah. And it's all done under the guise of safety and, and righteousness. Right. By people who have no respect or understanding of morality or righteousness to begin with. <laughs> yeah, there's no righteousness there. Yeah. Right? Well, they, they espouse it. Like this is for, for the good of, of, for the greater good. Right. But when you ask them what the greater good is, you know, they, they, you know, it, it's whatever they feel like at the moment, yep. and not what the actual greater good is, not the, not the, not the people right. around them, you know? Yeah. Yep. And, and that is rather sad. It really is. It really is. Um, yeah. There's a, uh, a major cultural shift in in America, I, I imagine it's it's worldwide. I imagine that, you know this, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, most people just call it woke. <laughs> you know, well, the, the whole woke. Movie. I, I, I don't. I, I would push back against that. Yeah, I would say it only goes so far as the Western English-speaking influences, because we're the ones dealing with it. Yeah, you're not hearing about this type of stuff in China. You're not hearing about this stuff in India, right? You're not. You're definitely not hearing about it in Saudi Arabia, right? Because if they do, they're being tossed off a roof. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because they're they they live under like a theocracy. 
you know yeah. um there's no room for that there's no room for that in china yeah and, and all it's, these... it's the exploitation of our freedoms is yeah. why it's happening it's just like uh if you allow kids in class to leave their phones out on the table while they're taking a test there's going to be a few that want to cheat you know what i mean that they got to take advantage of having that 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 there they can't just enjoy that they can keep an mm -hmm. eye on the time they have to pull up the google you know what i mean and, and cheat a little well, there's always yeah. going to be that person that exploits their liberties and yeah i mean i happens. i think i think we we don't understand what learning is anymore right we we see everything as stimulation now and we're, we're all about, you know, what's the next thing? And I, I love chasing trends. I, I do. I love trends. I love, you know, what's the next best big thing? What is the, 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 the latest meme, you know, that's, that's, that's making this, the circuit now. I, I love that stuff. I love my cartoons. I love my comic books right. and all of that. But, you know, I mean, genuine learning, genuine education, you know, learning people just to focus on anything just to take the time to focus on everything i mean before we used to read everything and now it's we're having everything read to us you know i mean i'm saying as long as, long as we're learning but it's that we have to take the initiative to focus on something man and some people just focusing on anything I mean, we have it now where you can get everything, you know, in the, these podcasts are exploding. YouTube is exploding with people, you know, just pretty much just just talking to one another. That's it. Yeah. And with, there, there's a show and I, I found myself watching it and I understood immediately why I was watching it. And it's a it's a longing that's going on in the world. Um, yeah. And you, you're, you're nailing it. It we're, we're sitting here watching other people talk. We're yeah. watching other people have an experience. We're watching other people do this or that because we don't do it ourselves anymore. Um, I, I fell in love with this woman on a, she had a cooking show. She's, I don't, I don't know how old she is. She's an, an older lady. Um, I think her last name's Gant or something like that. She's, she's become a popular uh, YouTube sensation and Facebook, you know, celebrity it's just an older lady from the South that she turns on the camera in her kitchen and she cooks food and she talks to you like she, like you're her grandkid, you know, like she's talking to the grandbabies and she, and I'm sitting there watching it and I'm thinking, I thoroughly enjoy this. And I know why, you know, <laughs> my grandmothers have passed. I don't yeah. have that, you know? So I watched that and let myself enjoy it for that reason you know what I yeah mean? i mean i don't I care mean, what she's cooking i want i want yeah, my mom to talk you know yeah it's it's the um like i've, I've heard of in, in youtube that there are called you know dad channels yeah where it's just you know dad advice and stuff like that yeah that, and you people know. people love that they need that yeah and and it's you know and a lot of you know even when i look at the this it doesn't matter the channel size you see the chat people are just hanging out, you know, because before we used to hang out at the bar and engage in conversation there, engage in debate there. And now we do it electronically. I mean, yeah. just us hanging out. You know, I mean, if we were in the same neighborhood and we didn't have the internet, we'd be at the bar talking to each other. Yeah. 
it would be, you know, hey, Bo, this guy comes in, you know, you ought to talk to him sometime. And then they'd tell me like, hey, this, this friend of ours, he's kind of in the same stuff you are. His name's Bo. You know, why he comes in on Saturdays. Why don't you, you guys just sit down and, and hang out? Yeah. You know, that, that would be, you know, that would be the community. That would. And now that with the community, yeah, we, we can seek each other out and we can talk to each other about some of the most, you know, outlandish things. I mean, we're talking paranormal right now. Right. But you and me could probably go three hours talking about anime or comic books or whatever. Right. Or, or daytime soaps, whatever, you know. <laughs> if you're looking for the pack that will help you survive the worst day of your life or a pack to use for your everyday carry that you'd never have to worry about failing. If you're looking for the perfect bug out bag, the perfect bushcraft pack uh, for camping, hiking, whatever your needs. Go to SquatchSurvivalGear.com and check it out. All products are 100% made in America. You can use promo code BUMP22 and save 10% site-wide. All right, that's BUMP, B-U-M-P, 22, to save 10% site-wide. This is a veteran-owned business. Like I said, every component of every product made in America, the buckles, the zippers, the straps, American-made. Um, there's never been a more important time than now to bring it home. You know what I mean? So go to SquatchSurvivalGear.com. Best products on the market. I've got videos on YouTube about it if you want to see it. Um, or just go to the website. Check it out. SquatchSurvivalGear.com. But wait, there's more. <laughs> hey, Chris messaged me and said that if you guys use BUMP22 as the promo code this year, that he's going to increase that discount to 15%. So get on there now. Use BUMP22. Save 15% site-wide at SquatchSurvivalGear.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's so many other things that mm -hmm. I think you and I could talk about. You know, it, it might not be for your show or for my show, but there's just so many things that I see in this world that I think that you and I see eye to eye on. Yeah. Um, especially the the effects of what's going on in the world today. The the effects of having the convenience of the internet versus yeah. learned knowledge you know what i mean yeah it, it's yeah sort of that lack of you know appreciating experience and uh understanding discipline yeah classical discipline yeah in that you know i mean we have an undisciplined generation yeah. that has power and you know that that's all they know is it's like well i need to be this x y and z so that i can obtain power and it's gotten to the point that they're cutting off body parts to maintain that power. Yeah. But the thing is, you know, hopefully, you know, culture will move on. But then what's going to happen to these people, you know, and, and it's really rather sad that, you know, 
people are trying to change reality. But you know, the thing is, is that, you know, you can only push reality so far, you know, even in the paranormal, yeah, we are asking a lot of reality. When we, when we have these encounters, but we're trying to understand something, we're not trying to force it. Right? Yes. Yes. But yeah, uh, the, the, the shift has happened everywhere. And I'm, I'm going to, before I say something that's going to get me in trouble <laughs> too much, I don't care too much about what I say, but uh, I do have to consider some, a few things I, I can tell you later, but um, this, this cultural shift, let's go with that. This cultural okay. shift has happened everywhere. And you've talked about uh, cultural changes uh, let, let's get into that a little bit on in the paranormal realm or in the unexplained realm. Um, I have one. I, I have something that's it, it eats me alive. It's kind of a pet peeve, and it's really gee whiz stuff compared to what we've been talking about. It's mm -hmm. just like a personal preference kind of thing, I guess. In this paranormal encrypted world, I cannot stand this the cultural shift of cryptids being cute and cuddly. <laughs> uh, Mothman having a little, you know, cute little, like a potato with wings, you know, and Bigfoot smiling or being pink or whatever. I can't stand that. I want cryptids to be scary, you know, and I, I tried that hashtag. I tried to like make cryptids scary again. It didn't go anywhere, <laughs> but that that's one of the cultural changes that I absolutely can't stand, but it sells like hotcakes. You know, it. This generation loves that. Yeah, I I know what you're talking about, and I understand. I'm also partially responsible for propagating that. <laughs> I've done it a couple times myself. Yeah, yeah, but. and and you know, but I I can understand that 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 there is, you know, as far as the, the cute little potato moth man and all, the, all that stuff of that nature, there, there is, I can understand its purpose as far as being entry level yeah. for, for baby kids and stuff to, to relate to. And then when they're ready to learn about the scary stuff when they're old enough, then they can get into that. Right. Because I don't think that the scary stuff, it's not going to go away. Right. Yeah, it, it's, we may tuck it someplace else, but, you know, I mean, the, the more terrifying accounts, you know, the, the Whitley Strieber, his accounts will still be there. The right. Travis Walton fire in the sky, that'll still be there. Yes. I mean, I have yet to see a cute, cuddly Travis Walton plush of, <laughs> of, of his experience of the people, of what was done to him. Right. That hasn't been done yet, you know? Right. And, but I, 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 yeah, I do get your frustration. You know, cause I'm more like a it's talk comics. You know, I'm more like a late '80s, early '90s. You know, I like the, I don't know. It's just a little, little grimier. You know, I I like Savage Sword of Conan kind of comics. Yeah, yeah, like like a like a sort of grungy type of area. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah, I, I I grew up in that in that in that era as well. I mean, I was like a, like a little kid in the eighties when I would watch back to the future and I would play back to the future two on my Commodore 64, Yeah, man. you know, and, and it, the edition I bought came with a hat and it was a neon hat and I'd wear it everywhere to school. <laughs> and, and of course, back then you got beat up for that kind of stuff. Right. 
and and then coming into you know adulthood coming of age in the 90s when it was cast away everything from the 90s because that's old hat right you know, we this is the new live in the now and everything was you know just have a have a plaid shirt and tie it around your waist you know we're, we're it's grunge now wallet chains yeah yeah and i would have to buy two wallet chains because i needed to hook the two chains together because otherwise because <laughs> i was a big guy and the jinko jeans and all that stuff is it's it. just a crazy era yeah and the era of attitude so i i get it i get where you're coming from that's it and and i'm you know and and we do seem to have like a bit of a revival there is. of 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 attitude era type of stuff which i hope comes back but again it's it's falling on the on the eyes and ears of an ignorant public yeah you know and and i i i, I step back into the culture stuff again <laughs> it's all right because you know like yeah. i said i, I teach yeah. at high school yeah know? i've 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 heard so many people talk about this is the first this this is the first that the first x y z whatever and those of us that grew up in the 90s that's like what first what are you talking about You're right we had that back in the 90s and and we didn't call it the first it was just we were just enjoying it like what's the thing now i think that the that the kids are getting patting themselves on the back for like black panther the first black superhero and you and me know it's like um we had blade in the 90s yep uh, what are you talking about yeah you know and and it's it's and i'm sure that there was even stuff before that oh yeah but again it's this obsession with you know acknowledging the first of whatever and getting pats on the back for that and we know that it maybe this is this is carryover from the trophy era the trophy kid era where we would give kids trophies for showing up and no wonder why they're obsessed with being first they want that accomplishment they have to have that recognition yeah, yeah that recognition for accomplishment. and they say well i'm you know it's like a it's like a kid that throws up his arms and he says i win what are we playing we're playing i win <laughs> like like a like a callback to an old adam sandler film oh man but yeah i mean and and bringing it back to the paranormal with all the cutesy by stuff it's like, yeah, you, I get that you could get sick of it. I, I see the round plushes too, the pillows, the squishables, yeah. as they call them, of the Mothman and of the the Cthulhu, the cute little Cthulhu. I mean, me, I, I dig it. I, I love it. So so we're going to have to agree to disagree on that. <laughs> but I do understand, but I still, you know, love a taste of the, of the, the scary stuff with the terror. Yeah. I, I totally get that. Yeah. And some of the most, you know, when you experience real fear, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's, you know, especially when you survive it, you know, after the facts, you know, yeah, it's like, what just happened? Right. You, you, you're trying to, you're putting yourself in a, in a headspace of, you know, this isn't something that I'm used to, you know, in my day-to-day -day existence, you know, I, I shouldn't be on the edge of my seat, you know, hanging on for dear life, you know, in my regular day-to-day -day life. Right. The only time that I could say I probably experienced, you know, paranormal terror was during my sleep paralysis episodes. Um, and at the time, I didn't account it to any kind of spiritual anything.
because I knew what sleep paralysis was. But you, when you have the experience, you still feel the flood of emotion. You still feel that flood of terror right. coming over your body, even though, yeah, I know what's going on, but you're still in the moment. And, and it's like, well, I understand cars and now I'm in a car crash. But when time slows down, as the metals wrapping around you, you know, you're still, you're still scared. You're still in that experience. You're still in the experience. Even if you can scientifically plausibility it out. Right. And in one of my experiences, you know, I had, I believe it was daytime and I was napping because I had done an overnight at work or, or what, whatever I was, for some reason I was, I was taking a nap during the day. And I was sitting, I was laying in my bed and I had, you know, like, like majority of sleep paralysis, you're, you're going to experience this stuff on your back. And then I, I, I just feel, you know, the weight of my body not moving and it's, and I'm just locked. And, and again, the only thing that can move is my head. I'm like, ah, oh, great. You know, and it's not just the, that your body is, is heavy, but also you experience that rush, like a, like a dopamine rush of fear. You feel terrified, even though you have no good reason to be terrified, you still feel it. And, and, and it's, it's just in, in the moment, it's terrifying. And I'm sitting there and I'm terrified. And, and I, and then, you know, the door opens and in walk two figures. Mm. They were two men, two misshapen men. They look, they would be no distinguishable than you and me, but they were misshapen somehow in that something looked off. They look like cartoons made into real life type of thing. One was, was wearing a, a I guess, a, a plaid shirt you know, and, and, and blue jeans and stuff of that nature and had a big old fluffy mustache and, you know, brown, long, spiky hair. And the other one was a tall, you know, almost egg-shaped man that had a black hat and his shirt had his belly hanging out and pretty much just is practically a crop top over his big stomach. And he had, you know, black shorts on and, and they would rummage through my room and every now and then they would look back at me to make sure that I, that I wasn't moving, that I was still, you know, stuck in, in, in space, you know, that, that I, that I hadn't moved yet. And they would just rummage through my room, go through my drawers. And this was the weird part. Aside from, you know, looking like monstrosities, they would open closets into walls that didn't have closets. There was no closet there, but they opened a door to a closet in a, in a, in a, in a wall, you know, like almost like they were opening a door to another dimension or something like that. Yeah. And they would go through, you know, clothes and stuff that were there. They were going through like all these liminal spaces in my room. And, and then, you know, and then as I slowly got control of my body back, you know, they would then just slink away, slink off and, and disappear. And then I would get up and, and I'm pretty sure that the door was still closed when I finally got my, when I finally got my faculties back and I had two layers of security. I had, you know, electronic security and then deadlocks. All right. And I checked them all. My windows and doors were dead bolted 
and the electronic security was active and undisturbed. You know, there was no, you know, I mean, I know what happened to me. I know it was a sleep paralysis event, but I still had that fear and I had to check it just yeah. to, just to calm myself, just to put myself back into the regular headspace that, you know, I've done everything to make absolutely sure. And then in my room where I was sleeping, nothing was disturbed. Nothing was trifled through, nothing was shifted through. And it's just, it was just, you know, but again, it was just the experience was felt real and was real Correct. as far as I was concerned. You know, I still felt that dread. And sometime I got to commit these characters to, to paper because they were so distinct. But it's just, you know, it, it's just that, that weird thing. And they were just going through stuff just to go through stuff and opening doors just to open them. You know, just just everything, you know, pulling out drawers and stuff like that. And just to look, yeah, you know, just, just to just to invade that private, just to create that, just to escalate the evasiveness of their presence. Yeah. Just to violate your space there. Mm -hmm. see, that's, that's so interesting, too, because that's the first time really that. I've heard some sleep paralysis stories to where, you know, people would wake up and they would see something rifling through closets that weren't necessarily there or through a, a chest of drawers you know that that was undisturbed when they broke free but there's usually something confining you something that something that's holding you there mm -hmm. um but you didn't have that you no i just felt the heaviness of my body wow and, was... and plus your images were more more human than yeah they were more humanoid uh my uh, friend and fellow podcaster, Chris James, he writes all these books and paranormal stuff. You should talk to him sometime. I'll give him your, your information. He said, he cracked the best joke. He said, it sounds like it, it, it sounds like you were visited by the people of Walmart. <laughs> oh, try that. <laughs> But that's i mean that's that's the best way i could describe it yeah pe people of walmart no, wow. you, were, you were abducted by the people of walmart <laughs> uh, so what do you make out of these uh, you know sleep paralysis I, the, the world i live in chris i'll be honest man everything is real to me yeah. you know and um, Everything has some kind of either physical or spiritual reality. Yeah. And sometimes the two merge. I, so to, to me, when you have a like a sleep paralysis experience, you're you know, in my in my camp, it feels like you're under some kind of spiritual attack. Yeah. You know. Uh, from from my perspective, I'm willing to write it off as it's just a I was experiencing a stress-induced chemical imbalance in my brain. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the, okay. the no fun, no frills, right. scientifical stuff like that. I am satisfied with that. However, because of that experience, I feel I have gained insight that allows me to empathize with people who have had abduction experiences, mm. that I understand what it's like to be at the mercy of a, of a, of a extra 
you know, extraordinary being. So when I approach um, contactees or experiences, whatever they call themselves, people who are at the, the receiving end of the phenomena, I feel that I've been gifted some sort of insight that allows me to empathize with their plight that I can better illustrate their accounts. And when I speak to them, I can better understand them and, and connect with them on a level that maybe, uh, you know, anyone else wouldn't, maybe would not take that time to, to understand it from that perspective. Right. Yeah, that's, that's good. Because like you said, the, the feeling, the sensations are all there. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I, I haven't had a sleep paralysis experience. I've been, uh, I've been around people who have a lot. Mm -hmm. I've talked to a lot of people who have, but I haven't experienced that. Um, yeah. That's why maybe, maybe if I had one for myself, then I would, I'd be able to understand it a little more in depth. But. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something I, I, you know, I'm as far as I can recall from what research I've done on it, it's supposed to do with how you manage stress that if you're overwhelmed by stress, it's more likely to happen. Huh. And when some people, they can will themselves out of it, you know, and, and slowly gain control by doing the, the what they call the, the finger trick. You start rolling the tip of your finger. And as you do that, you, you regain control of your body inch by inch. Okay. And that's a little trick that people use when they're in that state. And I would feel myself you know, lulling into that state, and I'd will myself out of it. And usually, it's just, you know, because, you know, oh, I feel it coming on, let me get myself out of it. And then I'll just, it's just a sort of, you know, I can feel my body shutting off and going to sleep. It's not like, I, I feel uh, an outworldly uh, source, you know, forcing something, I don't feel forced upon it. it's more like, yeah, my body is just shutting down right now for right. going into sleep. So I just need to, you know, just will myself out of it and then just change sleeping position so I'm more comfortable type of thing. Okay. It, it, but as far as since then, I have not had a, a, a sleep paralysis episode since. And that would that'll probably be a couple of years. And I think that's mostly because I, I think it's because I'm in a better place in life and and the stress of whatever it is All right that would that would that would uh facilitate that experience probably isn't there anymore gotcha gotcha now see now like i said i haven't had a sleep paralysis experience but i used to have a lot of nightmares mm. you know and i would have a recurring villain quite often in my nightmare mm -hmm. um so I guess in, in that level, I can understand, but um, even then, if you could have some lucidity in your dream to where you, you can come like, no, this ain't going to happen. You know, I know this ain't real, you know, yeah. you, you kind of break out of that, right? Yeah. Just off the cuff, I think I figured out a nightmare. Uh, what do I call it? Nightmare. I'm trying to think of a clever name to call it. Like nightmare self-defense. I figured that out. Oh yeah. I, I figured out you, you know, where you, you can't punch, you cannot throw a punch in a dream. Right. It does not fall flat. It, it just, it just doesn't happen. The reality will not allow it. Right. 
However, you can throw in a dream. So whenever I experience whatever it is, if any kind of type of nightmare comes up to me, I will grab whatever it is and then throw its ass out. Because <laughs> that, that, I mean, because you can still throw stuff. You right. just have to grab a hold of it and then just throw it into a wall. Yeah. And as far as the experiences goes, that's how I best deal with stuff. You know, I just, I just grab it and toss it and, and just, you know, just pull it into a wall or something of that nature. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's my best tip for, for, uh, you know, dream combat as far as, far as, you know, uh, nightmare Kung Fu or, or... Yeah. <laughs> I like it. That's like the, the Hulk smash of dreams. Yeah. Of Cause that that's, that's just, Cause it, it works. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't talk about it. I have yet to see it fail. My, you know, my, my enemy in my dream was, is, uh, cliche as it could possibly get. It was snakes. Mm. I would, I would have dreams about snakes. I have zero fear of snakes. I've owned snakes as pets. I've, I worked with snakes when I worked with the Department of Natural Resources. Mm -hmm. I, snakes don't bother me. It don't matter if they're venomous, non-venomous, no matter. <laughs> but my dreams, it was almost every single time. It's some kind of battle with a snake, you know, and I, I try to run and it's like I was running through cement. You know, I couldn't go anywhere. And then the snakes yeah. get me in slow motion and I wake up or whatever. But there was a time, it's probably been five, about five years ago, I had a dream and it was one of these horrible snake dreams where I had no control and it was just, I was getting attacked and bit all over. And then I, I killed the snake and it was like, I heard, I don't know if it was myself talking or I heard, I heard it be said that this is the last, this is the last snake dream you're going to have this. It's mm -hmm. over. You know, and I woke up and I haven't had another dream about a snake since. It's like I beat my enemy. Hmm. I'm good to go. And I haven't had another dream. Like yeah. I, I've, I've had maybe some disturbing dreams, but nothing, nothing scary. You no, know? no big bad guys no more. It's yeah. weird. Yeah. yeah. I know like a lot of people, they don't like to fit dreams into the paranormal or they like to fit dreams too much into the paranormal. Mm -hmm. And, and count it as as experiences. I, I don't know what to make of it. I'm okay with it, with our subconscious working stuff out. Yep. And I'm fine with that because that puts us in a better state of mind yep. to to move forward and ask questions and deal with stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like like how I'm thankful for my paralysis experiences because it gives me empathy. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I I, I do tend to separate, you know, uh a, a sleep experience from uh one while i'm conscious you know mm -hmm, I, mean? I, mm -hmm. I, I do i do tend to separate those quite a bit but i like to hear about it, those experiences because yeah. again i believe in a spiritual realm yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, it, I mean? it's it's like explaining synchronicity right like you you don't understand it unless it happens to you yeah and then when it when it does it's it's the significance of it is greatest. It's greatest to you. And it's hard to translate that to other people. Yeah. You know, like, like when you hear people talk about numbers, like every single time I look up, I'll see 1111 or whatever. And we're like, yeah, so, 
but they attach a special significance to it. So for them, it's a synchronicity. Right. You know, yeah, yeah I love that. So it, yeah, it means something special to them. Yeah. You know, and, and I guess through through understanding through our dream stuff, we could like at least get better empathy and understand how that happens and how it relates that we can relate to like, yeah, I get how how that that can I can get how you feel about that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because otherwise it's just like it was just a dream, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like the, the typical response you get. So mm -hmm. you're saying it was just a dream. Okay, moving on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know we've we've been on here for a minute, but I I wanted to get into another topic if you don't mind. Yep. Um, I got time. I got okay. time for you. All right. I I have I probably about another half hour at least, but I don't I don't know if you want to go that long or not. But no, I, that's I can do another half hour, and then if you need to split this up, you can split it up. Okay. Um. We, we touched on, and your email touched on, Dogman. Mm. Uh, let's do a deep dive. You, you like Dogman. I never get to talk about Dogman. Uh, I had the person, the Dogman guy. I had Dark Waters on my show. <laughs> but I was afraid to talk about Dogman because he does it all the time. You, yeah, you, yeah. You I know. mean, yeah, he gets some of the best stories now. Yeah. Uh, so it, I want to I want to be sure to because there is a bit of a difference between a skinwalker and a dogman, a rougarou versus a dogman versus a werewolf versus a dogman. That when I talk about dogman, I'm talking specifically uh, the the what is supposedly the natural born entity. It's not something that transformed into anything. Okay. A dogman was a dogman that was always a dogman. And somehow we came across it because a Brugaru is a transformation. A werewolf is a transformation. Something that is sort of a natural creature. That's, that's sort of the, the guy that I like to focus on. Could you give me like a, 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 an in-depth, tell, tell me about Dogman? Because I'll be honest, I was... I, for whatever reason, I chose for that for Dogman to be the one cryptid I didn't believe in for a long time. Mm. You know, I was I was totally open to Bigfoot. I was totally open to Mothman. I was totally open to the Jersey Devil. Uh, but Dogman, I was like, no, too hokey. And my dad and I argued. I've had that on the show, you know, four mm. or five times. But we, mm -hmm. we argued about Dogman and stuff. But I have lately had to concede, you know, there, there has to be something going on. There's it's way too popular. There's way too much activity, but now I'm behind the times and I, I haven't done the research. So yeah. explain it to me. Like I'm eight years old. Is that what Michael Scott said? <laughs> yeah. As far as, as far as the dog man, from what I've gathered, from what I've listened to now, I haven't done as much deep dives because a lot of the the dives that I go into is basically run of the mill stories. You know, it, it's, I saw something, a flash of something, you know, it snarled at me. I had an experience and then that's it. Right. Or I was attacked or I was followed or something of that nature. And those, those ones, it's like, yeah, I, I, I have a file for that, but it's, it's not really what I'm looking for. What I'm looking for is the more, you know, otherworldly ones, right. something different, something, something unique. 
that, that like puts it someplace where where it normally isn't. Now I can't off the top of my head come up with like a, a few compelling case accounts to to do as a deep dive. So I'm just gonna have to do a generalization. Yeah, that's great. But as far as we know, as the dog man, it's supposed to be so it has evolved as well, like how I was telling you about how the alien abduction phenomena has evolved. Right. Before, when these guys first came out, they were about like maybe four, five feet tall. They were short. They would, you people would catch them, you know, they would be quadrupeds at first, mm -hmm. and then they would convert to bipedal mode, sort of like, like a, like a Veritech. It would go from from, uh, you know, Jerwalk mode to battleoid mode, you know, like a, like a transformer. And the distinction was you could hear the hips pop as it would convert from a, from a quadrupedal stance to a standing stance. And that was for in the earliest, in the early accounts when we had the first dogman resurgence that I believed happened in I want to say the late 2000s, mm -hmm. that was the popular thing was that were you close enough to hear the hips pop? Now, Dogman is like, you know, anywhere from seven to 12 feet tall. Right. He's now, you don't hear the hips pop. I don't think people even mention that anymore. No, I've never heard that. Like that, yeah. I, I'm learning right now. Yeah, that was that was in the in the earliest coast to coast stories. That's what we would hear huh. in the when when I would listen to this stuff on the AM on coast to coast was the popping hips, and that's not talked about anymore, you know. And I don't know why that is. I don't know when that started disappearing huh. or what changed it. And I don't know if this was always the case, but you know, whenever anyone who's armed has these things in sight it will like telepathically they would get like some sort of telepathic message i don't know for some reason the bigfooters like to say mind speak right it's it's i it's telepathy I, I can't, right? is it not yeah i mean I, I i i don't care what glossary you're you're losing it's just it's it's telepathy yeah. they would get the the impression of you know you don't want to do that that's a that's a bad idea bad idea and they would have that ingrained in, you know, in their, in their skulls as they're looking at this thing. And that would, of course, refrain them from, from uh, firing upon this thing. And those who do fire upon it, they would then, the, any type of firearms would have, you know, minimal, if any, effect on them. It would just piss them off as far as we could tell. Right. Now, from as far as we could gather from an evolutionary stance, a lot of the 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 big bigwig guys out there, you know, mentioned that there's really no evolutionary like uh, a branch for these guys to come off of. Like as far as Bigfoot, yeah, it's it's understandable that there could be an ape-like creature that's similar to man, either Neanderthal or or something of that nature. There could be a there's a branch, but with uh with a with a bipedal dog man there's there's no branch there there's very rarely a branch maybe something that's probably more built like a bear rather than a dog but then 
these things are described as, you know, slender to very muscular. Right. And is there a tail versus no tail? Like most of most of them, I believe, have t- have tails. I I cannot. I don't know for certain. I I don't know if that's the detail that I hear all that much, yeah. but at the time, I don't think anybody's really looking at the looking at, at the looking there and looking right. at their butts. Right. But it, I I do I, believe most of them they would have tails if they are traditional canine types. I've heard a lot of uh, you know in feelings about this stuff like these creatures make you feel like there's impending doom like yeah yeah the the aura that that you're looking at pure evil right yeah yeah it's the the fear aura yeah the the i i guess i guess in the 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 evan guy in anime they called it the atf absolute terror field okay something like like that i can imagine dog man having something like that that he could just turn it on right and then you feel like absolute terror. And this creature, can you describe, like, is it more dog or is it more man? Is it like a wolf head or is it like a... Uh... From the descriptions I've seen, it has like a like a more wolf type head. Some people describe it as like a Bigfoot with a snout, but most pronounced, a lot of them have very pronounced ears. So it would have the structure for the ears to be up. Because I don't think anybody's, because, you know, like you said with the tail, I don't know who's doxing Dogman's tail. Because someone's, if it's got a tail, if it doesn't have a tail, then the tail was doxed. So who docks the tail? Right. You know, and the same thing with the ears, they're up. You know, we see that traditionally in wolves. Mm-hmm. The only time that I think we see the floppy ears is with domesticated dogs. Right. But I have heard short haired breeds of Dogman described as more like a, uh, having more of a head like like a like a pit bull type really or or something of that nature where it's more like a short hair breed but it's like you know extremely muscular and i think the ears are are down like like floppy ears but they're still short right in in some cases very rarely though although i probably have to look really look back into that because i don't know that i have right or or because i've seen you know because i've seen friends do illustrations for for some of their clients at shows and stuff and that's that's what i see them drawing so of course that's probably someone saw a variant of that right see what i'll picture when i when i imagine what a dog man must look like i kind of get the uh and, and i'm sorry for crossing cross referencing but it I get the the lycanthrope from Underworld, you know. Yeah, I think that's probably the best representation that's out there as far as um, as as far as film goes, as far as entertainment goes. That is probably the best representation okay. of what a dogman would be, because as far as their legs go, I do believe that they're on their haunches, or they 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 walk on their toes. Hmm. They 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 walk on. On a, sort of like their foot is sort of like a digigrade where it's on the digits. Yeah. Um, and then their upper thighs would be more muscular to bear to bear that weight. Okay. And then they would have, you know, so it looks like they're walking on their toes when that's just a, a, 
a digigrade formation of, of the foot. And as far as the, the other, you know, outlier is the chest. The chest is often described as barrel shaped and with, you know, I think in most cases, heavy pectoral muscles and, and right. shoulders and stuff like that, which. So it would have collarbones instead of a breastplate. Yeah. Yeah. Something along that nature, because that's what I've heard. And that's what confuses me. Right. Because a quadruped, they're not going to have, they're not going to be constructed like that biologically. But for some reason, these, these dogmen are as if, as if the, the walking stance is probably more natural to them. Right. That's what it would sound. It would have to be. Yeah. But then, but then when they go quadruped, for some reason, they're able to go faster, which doesn't make sense because if you're built for bipedal locomotion and then you go down to, you know, again, I'm just shooting from the hip here. So uh, I know all your experts are going to send you hate mail about how full of crap I am. <laughs> but, but the thing is, is that if you're built for, for one purpose, converting to another stance and excelling at that would be very difficult. It would be. Uh, see, I agree with you. And that's, again, and maybe this is my cheat. You know, I, I, I say people cheat and say uh, multiverse, multidimensional. Maybe my cheat is spiritual, <laughs> you know, but it, it would be faster. However, it wants to be faster if it's uh, more of a, for lack of better words, demonic presence than a physical being. Um. Yeah, like some form of manifestation. Yes, like a manifestation yeah, yeah, because yeah. of uh, yeah, and and that could cover more bases because then yeah. it, then we could allow for interdimensional and such of that nature. All right, because but a lot of people, I think it was the Skinwalker rats, they described a portal and then a dogman-like creature or Bigfoot-like creature crawling out of the portal. All right, and then skedaddling. Yeah, see, and with Skinwalker Ranch, I. I would have to visit that place before I believe some of the stuff that I've heard. Mm -hmm. and, and not to say that anybody's a liar. I'm saying that uh, in a moment of fear or in a moment of the first time seeing certain things, our brains just kind of default to whatever it can perceive. And I, I think there might be some misconceptions or, or, or misidentification kind of things going on out there. Uh, I'm not opposed to there being such high EMF for whatever reason in that area that maybe it makes people, you know, have a, a heightened feeling or whatever. Skinwalker Ranch confuses me as well, I should say. Um, but with, with Dogman, I've only heard of a couple, you know, one or two instances where there was an actual physical effect like, uh, the the case of the the lbl the land between the lakes that i've was, heard of i've heard of that account i don't know what to make of it yeah that I, was I've a, heard supposedly a, a yeah. dog man yeah i've heard you know conflicting things about it about you know it it's if you want to start a fight anywhere just say lbl and people start swinging yeah. um i i stay away from it because i don't know what to make of it one of the trends in the dogman community, and I kind of frown upon it because I feel it's garish, is they will take animal attacks and attribute them to dogmen. 
right. on on people and if the animal tax are like inconclusive or or something of that nature then they'll say for absolute certainty oh this was a dogman attack right and i i feel and until we know for certain i i just kind of feel that's garish and and in bad taste i do too and it's, it's it's disrespectful to the the victims involved right because you know i mean it, it just comes off as desperate right. it, it just comes on our part it comes off as very desperate right yeah uh, there was a an encounter where a lady i think it was a lady was killed yeah. on the side of the road um right outside of her vehicle and it looked like an animal attack and everyone's saying oh that had to be a dogland creature yeah and oh, i think God, she if, had i think she had mine. uh yeah, she had like two uh, pit bulls or two two large large dogs with her. Right. And some people uh, can you get conflicting reports because people will say what they want to say and say this is the truth. Right. But yeah. some there's one narrative that she walked with her dogs and she was attacked by a dog man, and her dogs fended off the dog man. And then there's another account where she walked with her dogs because her dogs were like, were like under immense stress because they had spent like anywhere from months to two weeks with, with her father and her father just kept them in the crates, which put them under stress. And then she figured she'd just take them out into a a walk to de-stress them. But because they were under such immense stress, they attacked her, Mm. you know, even though, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, it's just, you know, they're still animals and, and they just lashed out. Right. Even though they, they probably wouldn't have if they were in a proper state. Right. In their proper docile state. But because of the stress that they were under, unfortunately, she was put in that circumstance. And and it's, you know, uh, I think I might lean more towards that account, that narrative. Right. But as as far as, you know, because... You know, it, it's very difficult to dig stuff for details on that, right? Unless you go to primary source, unless you can actually find definitive primary sources, right? And not a repost. Yeah, and I, like you said, I would I would hate to just jump to conclusions for uh, sensationalism. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I would if that was my aunt, sister, whoever. I wouldn't want that to be exploited. Um, yeah, that, that's why I prefer the the accounts where, you know, it's a fleeting glance from a witness. I'll, I'll take that over anything where there's bodies involved. Right. And that, that's why I love talking to people so much because they're like, well, mm-hmm. I, I don't have anything horrifying to talk about. I'm like, that makes for the best conversation, you know, <laughs> when you could just talk yeah. to me about whatever you did experience. That's what I want. Um, it's the most relatable. It's, you know, people are going to take that in a lot mm-hmm. easier than yeah yeah something just a sp- yeah. spooky and, and there is some stuff where people like to you know uh cross pollute like what are distinctly other entities right like the ruguru which is a form of uh the new orleans i i guess werewolf right you know it because it is someone changing into it. it is a transformation you know i mean and i think in because I, I do remember an account, uh, I forgot where I heard, I think it was on this podcast on Wednesdays, We Talk Weird. It was, it was one of their past episodes where a man had discussed a, 
uh, an encounter he had in New Orleans, like way, way back in the 70s, where he had met this, 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 this attractive woman. And, and she had, you know, the oddest eyes where she had like a gold ring out around the outside of her eyes, like sort of thing that was just, you know, beautiful. It's, it's just a, a distinct thing. And, and then, you know, and then later on, you know, she like made a date with him, you know, to, to walk out in the park. And then he went out there, she didn't show up, but she hung out with, a, he hung out with like a couple of you know local guys out there. And then they went to the walk to the liquor store, which is what you do in the seventies. Right. And this was late at night. And then along the way, they were accosted by a female dog person. This would be a dog woman. All right. And she, you know, she had distinct breasts and of course, you know, golden eyes that resembled the golden eyes of, of the lady. And, and she also had gold earrings too. Wow. But that distinct gold was something that he saw in the eyes of this creature. And it was, it was a, it was a harrowing account. De definitely, you know, the, the way that the guy told the story, it was, it was, it had you on the edge of your seat, but it's just, you know, yeah, that's, that's definitely something unique and, and, and out there, but that is more of a, it sounds more like a, like a Rougarou type of, of thing. I don't know if I would put that in the dog man thing, but that one, I kind of think I would let it slide. Right. Because it's it's a variant. It's, it's a unique variant that, you know, that just by chance, it probably could have been that they just happened to cross a female dog man, dog person. Right. I mean, uh, if, if there's going to be an actual population of these things, if they're a physical creature, yeah. there's got to be a female dog yeah. man person, yeah, <laughs> you know. I know people don't like the names. I, I hear some people like to use upright canine. Okay. And then they'll exhaust themselves and then they just revert back to dog man because it's just easier to say. <laughs> right. So, because you can keep that up for only so long. Yeah. And that, uh, to be completely honest, that's probably the reason why I had a hard time going with that, uh, that particular cryptid mm -hmm. was the name. I mean, I guess we grew up here in Bigfoot. So, yeah. And, it, and I kind of I've heard, but... I've heard there's supposed to be a, a long, a long snouted Bigfoot that some people think accounts for the dog man. Yeah. The but, ugly or googly or something like that. Something about that. It's, it's some form of you know, something with a Y, but it, it's some sort of variant of Bigfoot. But also when the dog man first came out, he was much smaller than Bigfoot. And now he's just as big as Bigfoot. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now he's like seven to 10 foot tall and, because I've heard some of the dark waters accounts where he's described of these creatures cross crossing paths. And in every single one, the dog man loses every single time. Really? And sometimes it's even teams of dog man because they just cannot overpower the Bigfoot. Right. And a lot of these dog mans, you know, that's another thing too. You'll see individuals, but also these guys, they're in packs as well. That's frightening. The thought of this, you know, I, I can wrap my head around Sasquatch sharing the woods with him. You know, I accept that. Mm -hmm. But the thought of something as terrifying and evil, I mean, for lack of a better word, that's how I've heard it described every time as evil as a dog man would 
almost discouraged me from going out. Yeah. Well, the thing that I find funny is there's got to be something about it that is parent that is supernatural because from what I've heard of the aggressive behavior, it seems to be rather careless in its, in its, in its aggression. And such carelessness would have led to tripping a trap or which would lead to physical evidence or getting on a trail cam, which again, evidence, we, we don't get that. Or, or some, some nature, because some people describe it, you know, accosting their house. Right. And then they put up security cameras and then, oh, oh no, that's his weakness. He's camera shy. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, that's, that's what I've heard is the best defense. You know, if you have Sasquatch activity or Bigfoot or Dogman activity, rather, that you don't want, it's unwelcome, set up a game camera. Yeah. Or a security camera, and it'll stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, that, is that poking holes in somebody that's trying to tell you a, a farce, or is that is that real? The, the, they're so aware and so protective, you know, the mm of themselves that they won't allow a single photo to be taken. Well, the thing is, I mean, a lot of security camps and stuff, you know, I mean, we've almost become blind to them Yeah, that we really have to pay attention to even notice that they're there. Whereas these creatures, they seem to, they, they seem to very, be very aware of it. And I think that there is a speculation that they can somehow see or sense the infrared uh-huh. of the security. Yeah, I've heard that. And for some, I don't, I don't know if that's that's true or not. But then it seems like whatever this phenomenon is, the more the the technological stuff, it seems to have an aversion to. The Patterson Gimlin film was recorded on what is practically a crank uh, camera. A right. crank, uh, uh, a crank-powered camera that had a small, almost minuscule battery, and I don't think that the battery was there to power the, the mechanism, the 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 capturing mechanism. It was there for, for some other reason. I don't know, but it was mostly a crank camera, and it caught, you know, which is to this day the most debated, definitive Bigfoot footage. Yes. Now, I mean, I think it would be cool if we were to go out there with crank cameras, you know, and, and record stuff like that would be fun. It would be, uh, it'd be very difficult because I used to be, I used to work as a projectionist in a movie theater and dealing with actual film is the hardest thing in the world. I bet. But, you know, I, I just don't know what to, what to make of it or, or what we need to do because we've all gone to digital because it's convenient. And if these things have a natural aversion to digital, then we've all just blinded ourselves <laughs> to it. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. Uh, but I would like to, to, you know, see evidence obtained through analog means, through analog technology. That, that would be interesting. And I do feel like some troops are, are going that route where they're deciding, you know, maybe we should try uh, an analog approach, bringing you know actual magnetic tape to uh, to record sessions, to record ghost sessions and stuff like that, 
and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in that. Yeah, I would love to see that. Yeah. I would. Well, Chris, if you don't mind, I'm going to have to cut this, cut this session where we're at. I have a revival I have to go to. I got to, mm -hmm. I got to completely understand. Um, I appreciate you so much. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's so easy to talk to you. Man. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's been yeah. a great time. No, this was fantastic. Thank you for letting me come on the show and, and, and chew the fat with you for a bit. This was great. I'm definitely on for coming back and sometime you got to come on my show and we got to, we got to, you know, chew the grit. Hey, absolutely. You say the word, I got a, a pretty loose schedule coming up in October. I got a lot more free time. So just holler at me, man. And uh, keep me in mind. Yeah, we'll definitely figure it out. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you, brother. That's it for this week, guys. Thanks for listening. If you want more content, if you want to submit your own story to be on the show, if you want to listen to past episodes, or if you want to donate to the show, you can do all of that through thebumppodcast.com. So just go there, uh, explore the website, check it all out. If you want to sign up to be a member, it's super cheap. It's just $1.75 a week. You can cancel at any time. Get in on uh, all the, the new, latest, and greatest stuff we have going on. All right, so again, thanks for listening. I love you. God bless. Yeah.
in your life that you're you're ready to give your heart over to the Lord then I have a little a little message that I found that if you repeat it and you believe it in your heart this could help lead you closer to God to, to let Jesus Christ save you and it goes like this Heavenly Father I come to you from the depths of my heart realizing that I have sinned I repent of my sins and confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and died on the cross for me and my sins. I believe that you raised him from the dead. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and live in me now. I receive by faith you as my personal Lord and Savior. I receive your Holy Spirit as my comforter to help me obey you and do your will. It is in Jesus' name that I believe and receive the things prayed this day. Amen.
them golden slippers upon his feet. He walks at sea with the golden strings.
Washed away.